everybody. Welcome to the Weird World Podcast. My name's Carrie. I'm Jack. I am Dean. And Dean's gonna tell us a weird story about a weird thing. I am, after you tell the folks at home all about us here at the podcast. <laughs> Excuse so me. Weirdworldpodcast weird at gmail.com. Weird World Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and Patreon and Weird World Pod on Twitter. You gonna make fun of my voice now? No, your voice is great. When did I ever make fun of your voice? What are you talking about? <laughs> all the time. Never. And just now under your breath. To I think Jack. your voice is. No, I didn't say that at all. Mm-hmm. Well, well, someone's a little paranoid over here. Damn. So today we have a classic murder mystery. In fact, it's kind of a double mystery in that we don't know if it's murder, and if it was murder, we don't know who did it. Let's dig in. Okay. Okay. Cindy Hack. Hey. <laughs> I know what Carrie's going to say, and I stopped her from saying it. Cindy Hack was born in Vancouver, or at least the Vancouver area in British Columbia, Canada. She was born in 1945. In 1964, she married a guy named Roy Makepeace. You heard that math oh right. She was 19 years old. Yikes. That's not what I was caught up on. Uh, what were you thinking? The Makepeace. Name. Yeah, that's a cool name. You don't like that name? No, it's a good name. Yeah, it is it's a, good a name. great name. There was an actor, Christopher Makepeace. Yes, there was. My bodyguard. He was your bodyguard, personally. No, I didn't know you ever had a bodyguard. He was but, in that movie. Oh. Remember? Yeah, I do. This Makepeace, Dr. Roy Makepeace, as far as I know, no relation to Christopher, <laughs> although maybe. Yeah, he'd be his great grandson. He was a doctor, he was a psychiatrist. And when he married 19 year old. Cindy Hack, making her Cindy Makepeace. He was 37 years old. Yikes. So, a little bit of a May December. What year was it, though? 1964. Yeah. Probably not the most unusual thing in 1964. No, but still, a little eyebrow raising even then, I think. Cindy was this vivacious, bubbly, fun-loving, very upbeat. And he was a gray-haired, old, bespectacled, 37-year-old. 37. <laughs> Actually, I, we'll have a picture of him. And he looks like he's 107, but I'm assuming it was for much later than when they got married. So Cindy, she went to nursing school just after they got married, and she graduated two years later in 1966, only 21 years old. She became a nurse, hmm. and she excelled at her job. She was very good. She specialized in working with children with emotional problems, as a matter of fact. Well, good for her. Yeah. They lived in Richmond, British Columbia, a suburb of Vancouver. Peaceful, quiet, let's say bucolic. I've never been there. Didn't look it up. Hopefully that's true. But after a while, the marriage was not going so well. Surprise, surprise. Wow. Someone is just very negative right now. Well. I'm not saying it's Jack. I'm not saying it's you. (laughs) Just someone. Mm -hmm. Someone in this room. The Makepeaces did not have any children. And Well, clearly Mr. Makepeace was too old. At 37, (laughs) there's no way he had live sperm. So yeah, it was for sure his his bad there. I'm sure it was. Even he I'm sure he tried to drive home with big gulps in his lap. Mm -hmm. Things like the whole thing you're supposed to do. It didn't work. Actually, I have no idea if they tried to have kids or not. Oh, okay. I'm assuming they probably did. In the 60s and 70s, you got married and had kids, but they did not. Finally, though, after 18 years of marriage, the couple separated in 1982. Soon thereafter, Cindy asked for a divorce. Four months after she asked for a divorce, Cindy's life was changed forever. That's what we do, the dun-dun-dun kind of a music thing here. Okay. Build some tension. Okay. We're not really going to... Are you going to do that? No. Okay. So four months after filing for divorce and now leaving alone, Cindy started to receive phone calls, harassing phone calls. Asking her if her refrigerator was running? Not that kind of harassing. Oh. A little more nasty than that, Uh-oh. negative than Heavy that. breathing? There was heavy breathing. What? I know this story. Do you really? I do. It's it's a it, it's actually it's on unsolved mysteries like in 1991 or something like that. It's been around for a while, but it's a, it's actually a, a it's a pretty interesting case. You'll you'll see why. I don't know this case. You might. She started receiving letters not long after the phone calls started, and these were just as harassing, even can I say menacing? You I can. Guess, yeah. Yeah. Go for it, Dean. Thank you. I just did. Okay. 
they were like classic, you know, cut f- letters cut from newspapers and glued or whatever on to hmm. paper kind of ransom uh, notes like that <laughs> in the style of the <laughs> ransom note. And they said things like, we'll have put up a picture of some of them. They say like, one says like, Merry Christmas, pain, knife, pray for dead, mangled, something, something, something. Just odd, weird, oddly juxtaposed words. Not all of them. Like another one said, kill, child, knife, love, nice, exclamation point. Oh my God. But another one said, why, like just a capital Y, and then a separate word, R, and then a separate letter E, so you're, but put together three different sets of letters, and then dead. Wow. Another one said, soon, Cindy. So these were pretty chilling letters. Did she report this activity? We'll just see about that now, won't we? Okay. What she first did, though, after she started receiving the letters and started getting pretty scared, she went to her parents. They were Otto and Tilly Hack. Hmm. She also had a beloved sister named Melanie Hack, who would later write a book about this. But there's not a whole lot they can do. They offered their support and their love and encouragement, and they encouraged her to go to the police, but at least right away, she did not. The letters and phone calls started to get worse, though. More scary, more menacing. The harassment kind of became more threatening. The menacing morphed into terrifying. So finally, Cindy went to the police. And I don't think it lasted, you know, months and months and months, but it took a while for her to yeah. finally go to the police and tell them what was going on. The police seemed to have been a little bit suspicious of her story from the start. And as we'll see, as the years dragged on and she's bringing more and more of these incidents to the police, they became outright hostile and, and even disbelieving. We'll get into that as we as we go along, but I, I, it, I mean that built up. I don't want to over exaggerate. It wasn't like they right away said, "Oh, come on, you're full of shit." But over time, they grew very, very suspicious of her and disbelieving. Wow. Yeah. So Cindy just starts to fray. She's deteriorating. She lost weight. She started to look really haggard. You know, her personality was starting to change. She wasn't quite the bubbly, confident person she had been. Her friends all noticed this. They felt like the threats were starting to destroy her. They're eroding her. They're eating mm-hmm. away at her. And she was always tired, just exhausted and fearful. She was just really anxious all the time because of this. Then eventually the incidents start to become more real. Real in the form of three dead cats she found hanging ah. in her backyard. Nope. I don't know, from the tree, I'm not sure exactly what, but she found somebody had hung three cats in her backyard, and the perpetrator had smashed her porch lights in the front, presumably, so she couldn't see someone right out there outside her front door. When she found this, it was night, right? So it's nighttime, you look outside in your backyard, you see three dead cats. I guess you look in your front yard and you see the porch light has been smashed. There's no light in the porch. So she rushes to the telephone to call the police. Nothing, silence, dead air. Her telephone line had been cut. So that's she, an old timey thing that can't that is happen an old-timey anymore. Thing. That's true. That is good, but this is but also, in the 1980s, yes. Okay, Ma Bell or whoever was installing telephones this is Canada, at the time. So I don't know if it was Ma Bell. Maybe it was. I don't know. Why were they installing lines accessible to the outside that of your house? That is a great question. You sound angry. You have every right to be. I mean, did we have those in our homes in the 80s? I don't think so. I think we did, actually. I mean, some homes did. Remember, they had to connect to the telephone wires on the poles and everything. They weren't in underground. In they So, yeah, you can cut that line, right? I don't know. Jack I don't know. How, how would you have found it? Think back to your home <sighs> in the know. 80s. I don't know, yeah. but I, 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 they were. Because here, that's not unheard of. I, I mean, know. It happened, and it happened to her. It happened to her. We'll see it. it happened to her more than once. I'm going to ask my mom. We didn't have outside phone lines at our house. You say, I'm going to ask my mom? Because if no. so, I like that. No. Okay. I said, I'm going to ask Darn my it. mom. <laughs> so she spent this terrifying night in her home, unable to contact police. I'm sure too terrified to go outside and drive yeah. away waiting for who knows a harasser to maybe return. So the next day she did report this. She went down to the police station. She reported to the police. And again, they just didn't seem to take it very seriously at the very least. They just didn't, maybe they weren't quite hostile yet, but they, we weren't taking her, what she said very seriously. That doesn't sound very Canada like. 
It doesn't, does it? Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Do you you guys have a little bit too much faith in Canada. <laughs> we do. We like we oh, I know that. This story does not, not do Canadian police well at all. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they're still police. <laughs> uh, whoa, don't think whoa, that whoa. matters yeah, but they're, they're nice from. police. They say, eh? Oh, so they yeah. say sorry when they shoot Yeah, they you. say sorry. sorry <laughs> when they that. murder all the First Nations women, they just yes. say sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they say sorry, yes. They do. And that seems like it makes sense. Sorry about it. Sorry about Worse yet, though, they seem to Cindy like they thought she was making it up. So oh. they're now they now have morphed or their attitude has changed into more or less outright disbelief. Yeah, making up a story is one thing. Making up harassing letters is one thing yeah. too, but hanging cats and cutting your phone lines and I don't know. Yeah. It is escalating. And mm-hmm. then the notes soon after this, the notes started to arrive on her doorstep. So they weren't going through the mail anymore. They're act- someone was actually walking them to her front door yeah. and leaving them on her welcome mat. Well, we know they've been there, so yeah. Still, that would be. So, I mean, was that a, a was that an attempt to avoid detection, possibly, or was it an implicit warning again that her antagonist can come up right to her doorstep, undetected, and get her whenever he wanted to? Was it threatening? Was it psychological terrorism? Yeah. You know, maybe next time I'll come inside. I, yeah. I, there's almost an implicit message in doing that. So, one night, it's been going on for a couple of years now, Cindy's friend, her name was Agnes Woodcock, she decided she's going to go over to Cindy's house and just drop in on her, see how she's doing. She knows it's been, it's been rough. See, that's a nice Canadian. A very nice Canadian <laughs> lady. Yes, Agnes. <laughs> she, Agnes knocked on Cindy's door, but there was no answer. Oh, no. She knew Cindy liked to take long, languorous baths at night to just kind of unwind, so Agnes was not too worried. She walked around to the backyard. Presumably this was, I don't know, the tap on the window. I, I didn't, the sources I read, I didn't see exactly why she went to the backyard. Maybe that's where the bathroom was. And so she could tap on the window and say, Cindy, I'm here, you know, get out of your bathtub. Anyway, regardless, Agnes walks around toward the, uh, Cindy's backyard and around the house. And she almost stumbles onto something or someone in the dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's a person. This person is crouching down in the dark at the side of the home <gasps> as if they're trying to hide from someone. She's not sure who it is, at first anyway. So Agnes steps a little closer and she realizes it's Cindy. So she tells herself, she says, Cindy, it's me, it's Agnes. Cindy rose up immediately and then Agnes sh- saw the stocking, a black nylon stocking tied around Cindy's neck, tight. Uh-oh. The women both went inside Cindy's house, and Cindy's visibly shaken, and she just sort of tumbles out her story. She says that just minutes ago, I went out to my garage to get a box, and then someone suddenly rushed up from behind me and just sort of snatched me from behind, pulled me back, and they threw that, that stocking around her neck and started to squeeze she couldn't see. She's behind, or she's you know uh-huh. behind the attacker. The attack was behind her, so she didn't see a face or anything like that. But she did look down, and she saw white sneakers. So all she can say is that my attacker wore white sneakers. Apparently, the attacker was scared off by the arrival of Agnes, because suddenly he let loose and fled, leaving the nylon stocking still tied tightly around her neck. Sydney then ran out of the garage. I guess, sorry, garage the side garage door, presumably, and then along the side of her house, and she ran into the backyard and tried to hide. She didn't, she's unsure, is he going to come back? She didn't know Agnes had gotten there. She yeah. didn't hear that. He, he did. And so she didn't know. He, he just, all she knew was that he let her go. Is he going to come back? She didn't know why. So, so that's why she crouched down and hid. At least that was what she told Agnes. Yeah. So this was the first time he had gotten really, really physical and serious and more terrifying yet. And this entire process will go on for seven years, almost seven Jeez. years. Over six and a half years, she's receiving these notes. She's being attacked. She's well, she reported that to the police, didn't she? She reported that to the police, yes. Ay, ay, ay. Moving would be number one on my she'll list. She'll try that. The letters and the notes dropped in her porch became even more explicit and more threatening. And then one day she went to her car and on the windshield, she found... Uh, a note or really a piece of paper with some pictures glued to the paper, right? One of the pictures was a corpse being wheeled into the morgue. Another picture was like a hand of a man holding a knife. And then another stencil on the paper on the side of the picture, sort of in the upper right part of the page, 
someone had stenciled in all caps the words, I see you. Ugh, yikes. So they're getting, I mean, they're well done if the intent is to terrify mm-hmm. her and, and throw her off balance. And these, some of these letters and these, these acts were interspersed with sometimes almost petty, vindictive acts of harassment. Like, so, so several times, someone would call and order raw meat sent to her house, <laughs> posing as her, what? and oh have a bunch God. of raw meat, a bunch of meat come to her house, which she didn't order. Yeah. I mean, that's almost an episode from The Simpsons. But, and they would also be sporadic. So sometimes you'd have this flurry of events, and then there'd be weeks and weeks of nothing at all. Huh. So she's on edge. Um, the, the harassing acts start to get more personal and more physical than they already had. So a, another physical attack one day, Cindy returned from work, and she found her little dog, Heidi, shivering in a corner of the house. No. Nope. Terrified, sitting in her own poop. She was horrified. Someone had come in there and they had left an electrical cord tied around the dog's neck. What oh the my gosh. fuck? Presumably strangled it, but didn't kill it. Yeah. And left it there to be terrified and, and shivering and shaking. Still, the police did not much more than nothing. So, but what year is it by now? This is in the mid-80s now. So, Sheesh. By this time, they're pretty openly telling her, we think you're faking. She was doing it for, I don't know what, attention, yeah. what? What do you gain? I'm not but sure. they never even checked into anything. It'd be they one did. thing. They did. I mean, they investigated. Don't oh. Get, they investigated these incidents, but found little or no evidence of anything. And, oh. I mean, they, at best, though, the investigations appear to have been pretty half-assed. Okay. Yeah. Pretty perfunctory. But at no point, here's one of the reasons why they thought she was being not completely honest with them because never did Cindy ever tell them who she thought was behind the harassments and the attacks. There's a very obvious suspect here. Yeah. Her ex-husband. But never did... That's not who I would suspect. Oh, really? Why not? It's always the first suspect in these kind of situations. Oh, I would suspect it initially. Well, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I imagine they checked into the ex-husband, right? That would be the first person I'd go to. At this point, I don't think they had. Oh, good Lord. And when they asked her, they thought she was being evasive and and, and not telling them the whole truth. Yeah. And they thought she knew who was behind the attacks, if there were any attacks at all, and she wasn't telling them. So they thought she was Well, that's just weird. Why would she report it if she's not going to tell them? Dumb. That is weird. I think it's... Former child patient. Interesting. Based on the notes. Hmm. Okay. I like that. Why the notes tell you it's a child patient? Because because the term child knife, you something. Yeah. Ah. I don't see the word child having anything to do with it. That's just a coincidence. I think probably. I don't know why it's there, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe either. But that's more consistent than with her husband. The the. The bitterly divorced psychiatrist's husband, really? <clears throat> psychiatrist who's gone psychotic? Is that the. Oh, I like it. I like it. The psycho psychiatrist. Good <laughs> choice. So, Cindy's getting no help from the law enforcement. So, she just tries to cope as best she can on her own. She painted her car a different color, hoping whoever was doing this would not know it's her car. She changed her last name. This is why she's named Cindy James. That's good. And she did find a new place to live. Mm-hmm. So she did the things that you told her to do. Then, since she was getting no help from the police, or at least she felt she was getting not enough help, she hired a private investigator. Good for her. His name is Ozzy Caban. He was a, a Vancouver-based private investigator. And that, to me, I don't know, that doesn't seem like something a fraud would do, to hire a private investigator to investigate your own case yep. under these circumstances. So that's that's interesting. He agrees to look into her case, and we'll try to find out who her harasser is. So early on, Caban, the, the PI, he felt Sydney though, was not being completely upfront with him. Hmm. It was not that she, he thought she was faking. He thought that she knew exactly who her attacker was, and she would not tell him or anyone. <sighs> I still don't see to what end. Yeah, this sounds like some, you know, misogyny to me. He he's on her side though. Women would, don't tell the you know women are hysterical well, liars. He spoke to her parents and they both agreed. They thought that Sydney, mom, mother and father and sister were being that Sydney was being uh, not upfront with them either. Why specifically do they think that? If I they, don't know. All there but has they all to be did. Some sort of good evidence 
for them all to think that, especially it, her parents. It, well, it, say they're having conversations. You know, you get a feeling, okay, she's being evasive. She's not, she's being contradictory, perhaps. She's not telling us everything Maybe. that she knows. They all yeah. thought it. I don't know. Everybody thought so, okay, apparently. Well, well, what would we do, we do if this was one of our kids? Well, I mean, you bluntly ask them. I, I, who says they didn't? Uh, me. And she said, I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm I I'm, I'm a bit well. It's Canada. They probably didn't do it. They didn't ask. Say, okay, that's fine, Cindy. So they thought Cindy knew more than she was saying. They thought maybe she's fearful of someone. Was she mm-hmm. afraid to name a suspect? So the PI Caban works the case. He chases down leads, but he's also trying to help Cindy with her personal security too. He's kind of attacking him from both ends. Right. He helps her install lights outside her new home, and he got her a two-way radio with a panic button on it. Mm-hmm. So all she had to do is push the button, one press, and she'd be in instant communication with him because he had the other two-way radio. This way, even if someone again cut her telephone line, she would have access to right. help. That's nice. Yeah, that was very nice of him. That two-way radio proved its worth almost immediately. So it was late at night. It's January 30th, 1984 by now, okay? okay. This has been going on for about a year and a half, maybe a little more. Kiban, he heard some odd noises coming from the radio. So he's saying, is, is that Cindy? Is something wrong? It's not like words. It's, not, it's just strange noises. So he doesn't take any chances. He speeds over to Cindy's house. When Kaban arrived, no one answers his frantic knocking on the front door. So Kaban goes around to a window and he peeks through and there she is. Caban spots Cindy lying in the middle of the hallway, completely still. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Somehow he, he must have got inside the house because he went to Cindy. He went up close to her and he sees there's a knife sticking out of her hand. The knife has pinned her hand to the floor. Uh-huh. Attached to the knife is a note. Oh, no. The note reads, you are dead, bitch. So with no movement, Caban thinks that She's dead. Yeah. He thinks that she's been murdered. But he checks a pulse and he finds a heartbeat. He gets her, I don't know if he called the police or called the hospital ambulance or rushed to the hospital, but he rushed to the hospital and doctors revive Cindy at the hospital. The police come to the hospital to hear her story. She says, I was at home, but the details are really, really foggy. She says, someone attacked me. In fact, she's not even sure if it was more than one person or not. Mm-hmm. At times, she said it could have been one, could have been two, maybe even three people. Whoa. Huh. Yeah, it's odd. They grabbed her from behind, and they stuck a needle in her arm. Uh. That's why she had no memory of being stabbed in the hand. She was out and unconscious pretty quickly. So she has no memory of being stabbed. In fact, she was surprised at anyone to wake up and see a a knife in her hand. Yeah, so this is pointing to her husband thing since he was a doctor, right? He has chemicals. He has access. And knows how to inject. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. Or the police would say, this could have been her. That's true since she is a nurse. And so Mm -hmm. the police say, of course you were surprised, Cindy. Sure you were. They, at this point, hardly even pretended to believe her. They did not. I got a question. Yes. Did they find the syringe? Or like a needle point? No. They did that, yes. No and yes. The police did not return to her home. They didn't work the scene forensically. Really? You're not going to let me tell you what that proves? Oh, what does it prove? I, you know, I, she um, couldn't have done it to herself. Yeah. Well, she could have. How? She could have, you know, done it, hit it, passed out. I mean, it's not going to act And then stabbed herself? Yeah. She'd, well, yeah. Have, she'd have to have shot herself hidden or dispose of the needle somehow that they're not going to find. And they didn't work the room. They didn't look for it. So she could have, and then stabbed herself in the hand. And then how convenient for them. Yeah, it is pretty convenient. It's true, but they didn't, they didn't work the room. They didn't look for fingerprints and things like that. There's basically almost no investigation, even though this woman had been stabbed in her home Mm -hmm. and she was telling you someone had done it to her because they were pretty sure by this point that Cindy was faking. Ozzy Caban, the private investigator felt otherwise. He, did so okay. So the, the doctors did find a needle mark in her arm. Caban thought the needle mark, the angle to have injected herself was very strange and would have been very difficult for her to have injected, yeah, that herself given the angle. Okay. Also, left or right handed, and which hand was the knife? In? I don't know. The, I, you know, I don't know that good. either. Yeah, 
Sorry. Wouldn't that disprove it though? No, not, I mean, yeah, if she's left-handed and she has the knife in her left hand, she uh, couldn't have stabbed herself. Sure no, could. but they're saying well, yeah, she's you can yeah, stab yourself with true. your offhand. You can needle. You can syringe but also yourself. She, with your she would have. You guys are saying she, she didn't. She didn't inject herself as she's laying on the ground with her hand stabbed. Yeah, no, she, she injected she herself inject well before she did that. Yeah, well. So. Ten seconds before she did that, she could have injected well, herself, I, hidden I know. it, well went enough. to the hall, stabbed herself, and well, lie down. They, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's possible. He also—it's—it's it's far-fetched, yes. but it's—it's it's not impossible. It's very yeah. far-fetched. The angle of the stab into the hand, he also thought was unusual. I don't know why, but Caban, the the PI, thought it would have been difficult for her to stab herself given the angle. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure what that means exactly. And to me, that's the one that's more. Um, it's more important which hand it was, whether yeah. it was her, her dominant hand or not. Yeah. Because it would be really hard to stab yourself in the dominant hand with your non-dominant hand, I would think. Because you'd have to do it pretty hard, Yeah, right? Oh, yeah. To go all to the pin, way through all her three hand, hand yep. and pin it to the ground. I yep. probably couldn't do it. Ugh, not a lot of people could. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's commitment. Yeah. Or psychosis. Yeah. And the or police ought to do a little test. Really? <laughs> How do they do that? What do you mean? I mean, not actually. All of us stab yourselves in the hand, try to get it all the <laughs> way through to the floor. Oh, God. Okay, everybody come in tomorrow and tell us how, you how it went. You stab through something as you're laying down on the ground. A pig's. Right? It would be hard. Something. I don't know. A, a chimp. That's horrible. No. Why would you say that? God, poor Bitch. monkeys. So They're not monkeys. I know. on. So on thought that she had been attacked. But here's the thing. To do what? To scare her? Apparently, it wasn't to kill her because they clearly could have killed her. So exactly what was happening here? Yeah. This is now twice she's been left alive. Well, they're escalating every time, right? So Yeah, I suppose. Maybe next time. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just pure torture. So after the stabbing incident, Cindy thought that, you know, she thought maybe I can retrieve some kind of latent memories and maybe I can do so under hypnosis. Now, don't get me started because retrieving memories through hypnosis <laughs> yeah, is a, a pet peeve of mine. Don't get him started. Yeah. But she did seek out a hypnotist to help her recover these memories. She also agreed when the police asked her to take a polygraph test. Don't get me started, part two. Yeah. Polygraph tests are bullshit. The one I agree with. But at the time, these were both seen as legitimate methods, sound methods in order to uncover things. So I understand why they do it here in the mid 80s. And it does show. It indicates to me that she was willing to sort of test her story right. in a way that could expose her if she is lying. Pretend, yeah. you know, hypnotic regression, if you believe that's a thing, you think, oh, they might actually find me saying I did to myself. And same with a lie detector test. If, if, if you believe it's a thing, you're probably yeah. not going to agree to it if you know you're lying. Sadly, apparently, though, the experts called in to hypnotize her felt she was too traumatized to provide any accurate information. I didn't, huh. the sources I read didn't have a lot of information on that, but nothing came of the hypnosis, apparently. The polygraph from the police, however, was, was different. The, so the polygrapher quizzes her about the case, right? And he felt pretty quickly that she's being very evasive. She was holding back. She did not seem to act like a normal victim of violence and harassment. Essentially, he had to say the tests were inconclusive, but he was pretty clear that he thought they were inconclusive because she was not being completely upfront with him. Yeah. So again, that's that's another person who thinks she's. And I know he was hired by the police, but still. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the harassing phone calls picked up their pace, and they became very short calls, as if the caller was wary that the calls could be traced and maybe were were being traced, and that's that's interesting. So that turned out to be wise, though by whoever was making those calls because the police had by this time agreed with Cindy and had started surveillance on her house, including sometimes 24 mm-hmm. seven. So there's a spate of threatening phone calls and they agreed to go, you know, to keep this, this eye on her and to bug her phone effectively to, to, to record her, or, or I'm sorry, to set up a tracing mechanism or, or, to try to trace any calls that came in, uh-huh. but the calls were too short and none of them could be traced. But during these times, here, this was key for the police, during the times where they had eyes on her, there were no threatening calls, there were no letters dropped off at her doorstep. So naturally this reinforces the attitude of the police that, right. okay, you're faking, we caught you. Well, Let's it prove wasn't that a daily them. occurrence anyway, so. No, it wasn't, but does it indicate that? Or did it indicate the harasser 
had maybe a friend, perhaps a friend who was a police officer. Or, if it's not husband Dr. Roy, could the harasser even be a police officer? Because it's around this time that Cindy has started to date a cop named Pat McBride. Mistake, Cindy. Okay. <laughs> That's truly a mistake. Or I guess you know, you know what else it could have been? It could have been that the um perp saw the dry cleaning van parked out in front uh-huh. of the house two doors down for twenty four straight hours and thought, you know what, maybe With I should not. Somebody knock it off. sitting there yeah. eating a donut. So it could be wow. Damn. So or you know what other people thought that maybe you know, he had access to her house, he had been in there at least once when she's unconscious for who knows how long, had he bugged her house. Oh shit! Could was be, he hearing yeah. her talk to the police, or even the police there as they're saying, "We'll set up to trace," you know? And he knows yeah. when they're surveilling her yeah. and when he's not. So we can't be sure. But there was this cop named Pat McBride. Some people thought there's a connection there. I'm being conspiracy theory here, but was it a setup? Was the cessation of the harassment when the police were watching intended to make them further doubt her? Yeah. In other words, did be. he egg it on to until they started surveilling her and? bugging her phone or tracing the calls on her phone and then he had an inside line or he was a cop and he knew as that was happening so he knew he was going to stop when that's occurring to make her look even crazier. Right. I don't know. The police never checked her house for bugs though. Of course not. Was that uh. because they knew they'd find one because it was mm-hmm. one of their own or just because they were lazy? Just because they were lazy. Probably. A little bit of both. So the harasser is as you can imagine not finished with Cindy. The letters continued. They're again, they're similar, the same kind of the, the ransom style, as Carrie said so eloquently, yeah. kind of letters. On the on <laughs> December eleventh, nineteen eighty five, it's been almost wow. almost two years since the knife attack. That was yeah. early nineteen eighty four. Cindy disappeared. Oh no! Six miles away from her house, a car is passing by a ditch along the roadside. They Wait, ha- what time did they want later? About six miles away. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Gary's like freaking out. Wait a second. Hold on. <laughs> I'll get How many later? later? Okay. Six minutes. Okay. Soon thereafter. Yes. Yeah, that's okay. that same okay. night. The passerby sees someone in the ditch. They go and investigate, and sure enough, it is Cindy. But she's alive again. <sighs> She's Cindy's suffering. She's got like 19 lives. She is. She's got Wolverine healing factor. <laughs> <laughs> She's almost frozen to death. She has hypothermia. But again, they take her to the hospital. They revive her, get her healthy. Oddly, she was found with a single man's work boot on her one foot and a work glove on one of her hands. Fashion. Weird. She yeah. was also found with a black nylon stocking tied tightly around her mm-hmm. neck. And did they pat her on the head and say, go home? Probably. Oh Little God. miss. Cindy had also been smacked in the face and left a black eye. We'll have a, we'll put a picture up that shows so Cindy with a black eye. Her left eye is black and blue. Blair. She had scratches and bruises all over her body from being tossed into the ditch. Or the police might say from jumping into the ditch yourself. Oh, good God. They're I, still... As far as I know, they didn't say that. I'm saying, oh, okay. I, 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 will, <laughs> I will bet you they thought that. Yeah. I'm sure they did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you jumped in. Lady. Oh my god! No, they didn't say that. But again, they're they're fairly open in their uh, disbelief. Cindy, this time is now. She's just thoroughly unnerved. This has been going on for years now. The attacks seem to be escalating. So she asked her friend Agnes Woodcock. That was the woman who found her in the backyard. Yeah. If Agnes and her husband Tom Woodcock would stay with her for a while, stay in her house for a while, just to to look after her and they agreed yeah again they're canadians yeah it's a given well of course we will sure thing is what they probably said Can- canadians probably just really hate us doing the bad mm-hmm. accent don't they sorry about that oh sorry sorry, <laughs> sorry for saying sorry so a few nights later it's late everyone's in bed the woodcocks are awakened they hear noises what's that where's it coming from they get up they go look, investigate in the house, and they realize that the noises seem to be coming from the basement. So opening the door to the basement, Tom and Agnes are beaten back by flames. Oh, the God. basement oh, is wow. on fire. They rush to the phone to call for help. Phone line's good. Dead. Phone line's Cut. dead. 
They will later find out the phone line had been cut again. Tom rushes outside. He's going to go to a neighbor's and call for help there. But when he gets outside, right there on the sidewalk in front of the house, he sees a man standing there looking at the house. I don't like that. Which seems very convenient. So Tom shouts for the man, hey, call the fire department. The house is on fire. Yeah. The man doesn't say a single word. Instead of calling the fire department, he takes off and runs and is never seen again. That's weird. Yep. So... Not surprisingly, the fire is arson. It uh-huh. was intentionally set. Someone had set Sydney's basement on fire, and the police, just as unsurprisingly, think it was her that she did it herself. Because there's a basement window, and they figure it must be one of the, one of those half basements where they have the windows at the top mm-hmm. there. I'm assuming yeah. I've never lived with a house with a basement. Well, but, or lots of times they have like little um, cutouts in the dirt. Yeah. Under, you know. Yes. So it, the window is underground, but you know what I mean? It's yes. like a full window. It's yeah. not, a, yeah. Yes. I, I don't well, know. Well, they're not that, real big, but. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what that was like that, but they, apparently there are multiple windows, but for some reason the police determined this ha- this specific window had to be the window that the, per- the, the arsonist would get in through, right? Yeah. So they look at the window and they do fingerprint it and they find no fingerprints, no usable fingerprints anyway. But they also find that the dust along the windowsill is undisturbed. Hmm. So that tells them that well, did they someone didn't come in from the outside. Check all the other windows. Yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> presumably they did, but Maybe. they're they're somehow they're convinced or they convinced themselves that this had to be the window, Could and they say, just... "Well, no, someone didn't come in. Mm-hmm. You did it, Cindy. The fire was an inside job." Mm, I could do it without disturbing the dust. Open the window, stick your little hand in there. <laughs> Jump in. Just dive in. Or no, you don't even do Just toss them in there. In. Yeah, yeah, toss a lit match that's in true. there. Throw that's some true. lighter fluid at it. Boom, boom, boom. boom. Fire. Let, don't do that. Yeah, I know. You're giving too much weight. Disclaimer. <laughs> they're even just invent, not inventing things, but they're using other things against her. Like, for instance, they say, they talk to the neighbors, and the neighbors, they, they t- and they tell Cindy this, say, well, you know, your neighbors have seen you walking your little dog outside around the neighborhood at night. That doesn't sound like it was someone who's afraid of someone attacking them, someone who's in fear of their lives. That's true. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Yeah. But she also might say, you know, bitch, I gotta I, live my life. I'm living with this, yeah. and if I'm gonna go down, I'm gonna go down. I mean, once you get a big dog, though, once you're walking in daylight, I don't know. Well, she worked as a nurse; she didn't yeah. sleep for hours. But yeah. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say she can't. Like, she gotta walk her dog. Yeah, she can't just leave him inside all day. Poor little Heidi. I'm assuming it's still Heidi. Yeah, who shit herself from being Probably. so strong. Probably. So eventually, she's deteriorating. Her mental health is suffering. So Cindy's doctor commits her to a psychiatric hospital. Oh, he's, Jesus. A, he's afraid that she's gonna commit suicide. Okay. Ten weeks, ten long weeks later, she's discharged. She's a little bit better. Wow. So as if, I don't know, to start anew, Sydney went to her family and her friends at this point, and she finally admitted that, in fact, she had not been telling the truth this entire time. She did know who her attacker was. Right. She had always known who her attacker was. She could not divulge the attacker's identity, though, because he had threatened to kill her family if she ever told. Yeah. And Sydney's family would later say that this is why they felt she had acted as she had during the polygraph test. Yeah. And that, you know, she'd failed or whatever, that it was inconclusive because, and she was being evasive, but not, she had a good reason. Right. It's because she wanted to save her family from being killed by this guy. They say, you need to go to the police and you need to tell them this. And she agrees to. She did. She goes to the police. She tells them who her tormentor was and always has been. Dr. Roy Makepeace, her ex-husband. Hmm. Her ex-husband, the trained psychiatrist who knew exactly how to mentally torture her and to break her. Yeah. Make Peace's background also could have come into play when the police get Cindy to call him and try to get him to admit to her. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, it's just a phone call. It's just us. So she does. She agrees. They tape the call. He denies everything. Of course. But he's not an idiot. Again, if he's a psychiatrist, a trained psychiatrist, he's smart enough to know she's mess- She's trying to get me to say something. Oh, she's probably taping this call. So, yeah. But the police did go to make peace at this point anyway and talk to him. And he's like, what? Harassment? Attacks? That's crazy. He denies everything. Like, that doesn't sound like me. I'm not that kind of guy. Denies it all. Wait, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Did Tom Woodcock know what Dr. Makepeace looked like? Because, you know, he saw the man standing outside of the house. He did, but it was fire. dark yeah, and it was insane. quick. I don't, uh, he didn't, I mean, I didn't see anything that indicated he 
recognized that person or, or could have recognized that person. And you know that he knew. I don't know. Her ex-husband. Pro, uh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I don't so know. it's possible that it's they possible. became friends after the yeah, divorce. Yeah, it is. It is. Okay. Yeah, that's true. So make peace and nice everything. And he says, you know what? My ex-wife is mentally unbalanced and I have evidence. He had recorded a phone message left for him. On it, someone who apparently claimed to be harassing Cindy left him a message, Dr. Makepeace a message, a threatening message that, that essentially was a death threat. So look, I'm getting threatened by this crazy harasser, Arsh, it's her. Yeah. Uh, here's my, my phone line, and we'll try to play that. So Makepeace explained that he thought his ex-wife, Cindy, was not just mentally unbalanced, that he thought she was literally had split personality, that she had multiple personalities. So that's three things in this story <laughs> that I believe passionately are complete bullshit. But this is, late, this is the late 1980s. <laughs> and so that was, still, that was a very popular diagnosis yeah. back in the 1980s, mm-hmm. the late 80s, especially yeah. the latter part of the 80s. None of Cindy's actual doctors b- believed that was true at all. That was not their diagnosis. Make peace, though, thought, you know, I know her better than you guys do, so I think she has multiple personality. She's insane. She's doing these things to herself, and she did those things to me. Yeah. So Cindy's torture had been going on now, as I mentioned, for over almost seven years, for over six and a half years. It's May 25th, 1989. Cindy has to go run some errands. She's going to take a trip to the store for groceries and to the bank to deposit her paycheck from the hospital. But again, during these errands, Cindy disappears. Good God. The police go searching for her, and they find her car at the shopping center where she had gone for groceries. They check the car. They find blood on the driver's side door. Someone has also pulled like credit cards and other items from her wallet and strewn them on the ground outside of the car, just sort of toss them there. Groceries are in the trunk. Is also a gift, a wrapped gift, that Cindy had bought for a friend. So it's very clear what, it, it, it certainly appears that she was snatched going back to her car yeah. after shopping. But this time, Cindy stays disappeared. She's not found later that night. For two weeks, her family, her friends are worried sick. They're searching for her. Has she been kidnapped? Was this the attacker? Has been harassing her for almost seven years? Again, the scene of the car certainly implies that she'd been taken. Yeah. yeah. But after two horrible weeks, Cindy's body was found. The body was found in the front yard, the front yard of a house in a well-trafficked area. Remember, she'd Wait, been gone two for weeks. two weeks. Okay. Yeah. She'd been gone for two weeks. This is a busy neighborhood in the front yard. It's true that the house was abandoned. That house itself was an abandoned house, but, but it was but right there, there people, on the front yeah. lawn. Yeah. People passing by it every single day. The Someone. Uh, forget the smell. Someone would have seen the body yeah. every single, shortly yeah. after it had been left there. If it was there the whole two weeks. If it was there the whole two weeks, exactly. The authorities thought Cindy must have been alive then. For these two weeks, because you know, and then she was killed, yeah, not and dumped on the front of that abandoned house not long before she was found. That made sense because oh. again, it was a well-trafficked area. But they had an idea, right? If she, if her body had been dead for two weeks or two hours or two days, yes, okay. they did. In fact, the pathologist determined that Sydney had been dead two about weeks. two weeks. Wow, she was killed not long after mm. she was snatched from the parking lot of the shopping center. Oh, some asshole neighbors, man. What do you mean? People in that neighborhood. So you think she, her body had been there for two weeks? All the whole two weeks? I You don't? don't? Oh. <laughs> yeah, There's I almost sp- no way. It's so one thing for some, a small cat. It's another so thing for a person. So somebody's going to drop off a decomposing body? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, not, she wasn't wrapped in anything, was she? No. Yeah. Ew. Just right there. So we'll talk about it in a second. But <sighs> Okay, I take back my yeah. disparaging yes, comments should. about the neighbors. <laughs> And again, they're Canadians, so no, they would have said so. Well, we've already determined that's a false assumption on <laughs> well, our part. Okay. Now she's bashing on Canada. Great, well, Gary. you know, I could give you some examples of horrible Canadians throughout history. Uh, yeah. If you say William Shatner, there's going to be a fist fight. Uh, well, William Shatner. William, okay, William Shatner. Shatner. I, I'll give you William For Shatner. Uh, Ryan acting. Reynolds. 
possibly Ryan Gosling. Yeah, I'm not positive. Um, uh, Martin Short, one of the nicest persons in the Justin world. Justin Bieber. Ja, okay, you've got that one. I give you that one. But about, uh, uh, Scarborough Michael Rapist. J. Fox. Carla yeah. Homolka. You can't, you can't just say murderers. Bob Bernardo. Yes, we can. Well, you can't just say actors that you like. Yes, I can. No, you okay. can't. You can't just say Rush because you love Rush. Them. <laughs> they, all three of them, Rush. Yeah, me too. Rush. That guy's voice dead. from oh Rush. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Daddy Lee and I are going to beat the crap. The amount of times I had to hear the song Roll the Bones. Roll the Bones. <laughs> it's a great song. Cindy's body showed some trauma. Just some? Yeah, she, I'm sure it did. Well, she had a variety of uh, sort of slight wounds on her body. And she also had another injection mark on her arm. Mm. Toxicology reports would show that she had been given or the police might say had taken a heavy dose of morphine. Yeah. And, of course, that black nylon stocking was, again, wound around Cindy's neck. Did they determine cause of death? Just, just Every question you ask, I'm going to say in just two <laughs> well, seconds. Yeah. Every single time. Welcome, welcome to the podcasting. Yeah, welcome to a podcast, for real. <laughs> so, at first, it looked like she had been strangled to death. Moreover, Cindy's hands... And her feet were tied behind her back. I, I've heard it described that. I haven't seen it, but it looked it's more or less. Well, actually, we do have a picture. We're not going to show it because Carrie won't do that. But it's more or less like sort of hogtied style. Yeah. So not possible to do to yourself. Well, you know, it's not really hogtied. Uh, it's like her. Yes, I, don't I mean, think you could do it to yourself. It's like her knees are bent up to be the. Her ankles are up like by her butt. And her hands are down there, and they're kind of tied. So her hands are down behind her, like at her lower, lower back. Her her feet are all the way up by her butt, and so they had been tied together. And uh, she was lying yeah. on her side I guess on the lawn. Theoretically, but that's just this is just going that's way very, over the top yes. to yeah. say she did this. And the syringe used to inject the morphine was nowhere to be seen. It was not at the scene. Yeah, there you go. So this is murder, obviously, right? Not so fast, said the police. They had a different explanation for the facts of the scenes of the crimes, the two crimes. So they thought Sydney had cut herself and left the blood in her car. They thought she could have just, you know, she took the wallet and and tossed it around to make it look like she was violently snatched. Hmm. They then thought that she injected morphine in herself, a drug that as a nurse she had access to. Uh And that... She tossed the needle. She was found about a mile and a half away from where the shopping center. So okay, she was kidnapped she, from exactly. Okay. So whether it's at there or maybe oh. even on the way there, she's so she's walking from the shopping center to the abandoned house where yeah. she's going to lie down and kill herself. And no, she's not. Well, she's that's going what, this to, is the police. This she's is going police. to kill herself first and then wait around for two weeks and then somehow. Resurrect well, herself. Well, that's obviously not the police's version of events. <laughs> so. Bear with me, and so, I'm having a hard time. Okay, well, no, this is what they—that's that they think happened. <laughs> this so, is the official okay. version. She of events. injects morphine in herself, and she tosses the needle somewhere along the way. They'll never find a needle, right? right. It's a syringe, and that she's walking the mile and a half from the shopping center to the to the house, and she then ties her hands and feet behind her, uh-huh. and she ties the nylon stocking around and what strangles herself, which is a, not a thing. Yeah, what's the sequence? She must have. She would have had to put the. Yeah. And stocking around her neck first, first. And then yes. or maybe tie her feet and then now she'd had to inject herself and ditch the needle already. Well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. we're talking after that. Yeah. Once she gets to the yes, and then she ties it. Yes. Yeah, she would have had to tie it around herself and then tie tie the stocking around her yeah. neck and then tie her hands and feet behind her. Yeah. That's risky. And you bro. know, it, it it's not in, from the, the angle you see. I, I don't know. Again, I don't know if Carrie's going to show the picture, but because uh, it is a dead body. Yeah, but it is. Uh, it's, yeah. it, 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 it's possible that. She could have done. She could have tied herself up yeah, in that fashion. Theoretically, but then she what sprays invisibility spray on herself to not be seen for two weeks. Yeah, uh-huh. because she she can't dump her body two weeks later and, in, a, in a place. And also, depending on what you're going to tell us, the cause of death is if it's strangulation, she couldn't have done it. She couldn't have done it. So one point in favor of the police, though, that the actual cause of death was indeed morphine overdose. It was not strangulation. Okay. So yeah. the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Those are the people who wear the red jackets, the cool hats, and ride on horses, even in the city. They agreed with the police, more or less. They said that it was suicide. If it wasn't suicide, maybe it was an accident. So all checks out here. 
an oh accident. My God. I don't know how an accident. I, I, well, I, what they must have meant by that was that she again did not intend oh, to kill herself. Remember, yes. this is like the fifth time see, she had yes. met with violence at the hands of her alleged harasser. Yeah. So she didn't intend to to OD on morphine. It, it was accidental in that sense. Or she really did finally give up and commit suicide this time. They said yeah. it's one of those two things. The coroner, however, disagreed. The medical examiner ruled that Sydney had not committed suicide and she had not died by accident. Mm-hmm. So it leaves the obvious, right? He, he must yeah. have ruled that Sydney had been murdered. Right. No, he wasn't willing to go that far. The coroner had ruled that Sydney had died from a, quote, unknown event. Okay. I mean, that's a dodge. Wow. It's that not is murder. It's not accident. Out. It's not suicide. Bitch. I'm going to choose none of the above. That's basically what he said. I guess. But that might be some like technicality <laughs> that he had to put that. It, I don't know. Like, you didn't have enough evidence for the other ones. But Maybe. no. That's hilarious, though. That's Unidentified. Unknown event. event. Yeah. So, that's crazy. I don't like that. Private investigator Ozzy Caban, he agreed that it was not suicide or an accident. He thought it was murder, though. He thought that Sydney had been taken at the shopping center, yeah. as yeah. it looked like. He thought she'd been killed somewhere else. And for whatever reason, her killer had kept her body for two weeks before, and that he, he was sure that her body had to have been dumped very soon before it was found. It's not wow. going to be there for days. So again, if, if this is true, and everything I read says is that it's a, this, so people are walking by there all the time. Yeah. There's no way it goes unnoticed for two days, two let alone two weeks. Yeah. It's yeah. impossible. Which means, you know, that it had to have been murdered. That alone yeah. says that it was murder. Uh, yeah. Unless she had an accomplice, so I mean, but it's, it, but it's weird. It's like this murder. It's like a murder in slow motion. It's like a seven-year-long yeah. killing. It was psychological and physical torture. Over those almost seven brutal years, Sydney had reported to the police nearly one hundred episodes wow. of harassment. Presumably, there were more than that. That she probably she, didn't yes, report everything yeah. after a while, anyway, because of their yeah. attitude. So, oh, Cindy, she should have moved to. California. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Serial killer capital of the world? Why would you say such a thing? Yeah, she should have moved to Milwaukee. Girl, what? Yeah, maybe Milwaukee. She should have left her murderer. I yeah. Mean. You know, this is about the son of Sam. Maybe she should have moved to the Bronx. Oh, God. Says Carrie. So, pro. Because we're all dead in California. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't live back. I don't no, live you know, back. that's that's not untrue. So, okay. So, well, keep that in mind for a second. So I want to do a little pro and con. So, pro yeah. that she was murdered. I guess pro, let's believe, Cindy. Yeah. Uh, yes. The odd angles of the knife and the needle in that initial attack where she had the hand stabbed. Yes. There was that. There was a nasty breakup with her husband. Uh-huh. And it, his background. He would have yeah. the knowledge his background, to do absolutely. this to her. The fact that it went on for years. I mean, I guess the, the went on for years could be pro and con, couldn't it? But yeah. that's, that's some commitment if you're doing this to yourself for almost seven years. That um, she did eventually accuse her ex-husband, who was a logical suspect. That's yeah. in her favor, I think. That she did agree to the hypnosis. That she did agree to the polygraph test. That there was this man that someone else saw outside yeah. of her house mm-hmm. on the night of the arson in the basement. That's pretty. That's huge. And he to just me. ran away. Yeah. Yeah. Suspiciously. Very suspiciously. There's the groceries and the gifts in the car. You know, and actually the entire sequence, the groceries and gift in the yes. car, that doesn't sound like suicide if that was the intent. That Although, whole night. Yeah, and then, of course, the well, the, the, the drug, the bound, the yeah. two weeks. But if she's going to commit suicide, she's trying to stage yes. it. Well, so. if she's going to commit, yeah, I guess. Or she was doing another suicide. attack, another attack, and she's staging it. Yeah. Another yeah. fake attack. Yeah. That's, that's not impossible. But, but it, no. to me, the two weeks, that's the best thing going. Yeah. Two weeks of, of she can't have oh, dumped course. her body there yeah. after and killing the, herself yeah. two weeks ago. of morphine plus the hand tie and yeah. the feet tie yeah. and the garrote. Like yeah. that's, a, I don't know. That's a little bit too much for one person to do all on their own, especially after they've injected themselves with a lethal dose of morphine. I know if it's lethal, you, I, I don't know. I've never had morphine, but it's got to affect you mentally so, pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking like heroin, heroin is morphine's yeah very potent, but still that means, I mean, she, honestly, it, it's just a syringe and, if there's an abandoned house, I don't know if this is the best neighborhood in the world, so it's possible she could have done it two blocks and they never found the syringe Maybe. or someone would have picked it up to use it. Yeah, that's I'm, true. I'm guessing. Yeah. So the cons against her story is that, like I said, that went on for years. Yeah. Is the harasser going to do this for almost seven years and not get sick of it? I don't yes. know. Why? Here's the biggest one, though. Is, yeah, is I have no doubt. Why not just kill her? He left her alive 
at four times before he finally killed her, if indeed he did kill her in 1989. Because killing her is final. He's getting sick pleasure out of it. Okay. Yeah. He wants to torture her. He wants to make her life miserable for as long as he can. Yeah. Well, okay. As Another con, though, would be the reverse of that. She wanted to make his life miserable as long as she can. Right. So she, yeah. She, again, it's a better divorce, so she hates him, too. I'm speculating here. So she wanted to screw with her ex-husband, and she, mm. and she would have a motivation. She would have accused him up front. Boop. That's exactly what I was about she to say. She wouldn't have waited so long. There's possibly. Why would she wait possibly. six years? Well, not, you never know, but possibly, yeah. No. Well, it's not certain, Carrie. She could have not. See, it, that it was would be really the obvious. dumbest thing in the world if, if her motive is to mess well, with him. Sure, but that's that, the only way she could get her plan to work. Well, yeah. now, I mean, like I said, she was the obvious suspect from the jump. Yeah, but obviously sure. the police didn't harass him. They no, didn't they give didn't. shit. They yeah. didn't believe her the no. whole time, so. <laughs> I'm just, I'm playing devil's advocate here. I Carrie. put you a terrible one. Okay. I just find. The, <laughs> I don't think you understand what devil's, devil's advocates, advocates are okay. kind of useless, in my opinion. No, you have to look. You have to look at, at the the both and sides here, no, or you know, you have to look case. at all the evidence. Sure. So, and there was that threatening message that said, "Cindy, dead meat soon." We're going to play it for you now and give it a listen. Okay, you heard it. I heard it. My first reaction was, that can be a woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That could very easily be a woman's voice. Yeah. Not to say it was Cindy, but it could be. Have we heard Dr. Makepeace's voice? I have not. <laughs> could it not be It could have him? been him, too. Absolutely. Or he could have had, you know what? I mean, a woman, a client, a patient record that as mm-hmm. a yeah. slightly changed woman's voice to pay her off. Absolutely. I mean, that's not impossible at all. Yeah. So he could have had that, but it, I, I don't know if that's Cindy's voice. I haven't heard Cindy's voice, but that absolutely sounds to me. If I had, if you made me choose, is that a man or woman? I'd say a woman. Yeah. I honestly would too. I would too, but I've heard plenty of men's voices that sound very much like women. So That's true. And yeah. if, I mean, I guess, but <laughs> uncommon. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, it's, he's also modifying it, or she, so. So if it wasn't murder, who killed her? The obvious suspect is where I make peace. Yeah. Yeah. There is that Pat McBride, the former policeman boyfriend. It was apparently not a real good breakup there either. He did have access to, he would have been known, for instance, that the police were surveilling her and were taping her phones or tracing yeah. the calls. So he, he could have stopped at those times. How easy would it be for a police officer to get morphine? I don't know. I don't Probably know. not. I, that you know what? Hard. I don't think that hard either. Really? No. Yeah. Oh, girl. That's my guess. Well, that's true. Yeah. Narcotics. Yeah. Some people say, well, what about the man outside of the fire? Well, I would say it's, either, it's of either of those people. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I, I really read that like, well, all, a third suspect is. No, no. not really. That's one of the, <laughs> it's like, dude, okay. And if it was McBride, though, why would Sydney eventually name her ex-husband yeah. Mickey's as the perp? That's why so. it was her ex-husband. <laughs> and then, of course, the last possibility, you have to say it, but it could have been Cindy. Yeah. That's the, that's the mystery of this. It's not impossible this was seven years of a psychotic breakdown. Dean, uh, it's of, not impossible, but, but it's so far fetched. No, that I, it, okay, it, it, it's I both of you agree. It's not impossible until her actual death. At I, that point, it becomes impossible. Well, because of the uh, because of the really only because of the two weeks. Yes, that's the reason. Yeah, yeah. No, we we were literally just about to say we okay. don't believe it, but it's not impossible. The whole sequence of events is not impossible. Uh, yeah, I mean, you have to you'd have to come up with some weird case to why her body wasn't found. And truth is stranger than fiction. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've never I read this, but but what if she had an accomplice mm-hmm. who said, she did all this stuff, and I want you to dump my body two weeks later to make it look like I couldn't have done it. I'm not saying that happened. That almost certainly didn't happen. No. I'm 99.99% yeah. sure that Dr. Where I Make Peace murdered her. Yeah. Yep. But You're listening, Roy. <laughs> <laughs> is he still alive? I have no idea. Oh. Allegedly. He Allegedly, is. he is the murderer. I don't know. He's Oh, I didn't look him up at FamousCanadians.com. Is a that a thing? Peace. I don't know. So that's the mystery. Like I said, it's a double mystery. Was there a murder? If there was a murder, who did it? We think we know the answer to both of those questions, but we always do. And you can judge for yourself, though, yeah. listeners, because this is this is not. Maybe I said ninety nine point nine. I'm not sure if it's that high, but it's it's pretty high that she was murdered by by her ex husband. I'm pretty sure. But it is an intriguing case. There are, again, the, 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 as Carrie said, it, 
there's a, there's a reason for it. You leave her alive to continue to torture her. But the fact that she always seemed to just escape death yeah. time after time, and that you can even interpret the notes being left on her doorstep as it's just a lot easier than going and mailing those because I'm walking outside, dropping them on my doorstep, and, and closing the door because yeah. I wrote them and myself. That's happened before. Yeah. I mean, there was that lady yeah. who faked yep. being stalked by the BTK. Really? Yes. I didn't know about that. I didn't either. Really? Or maybe not. I don't. I don't know. If she claimed she was stalked by the BTK himself, but, but by around a serial that killer. Time, oh, okay. Yeah, she claimed that she was being harassed and like stalked and attacked by a, really? a uh, an assailant, and then it huh. turned out it was her having yeah. a, a mental health crisis. So yeah, she could have been having a long term slow motion mental health crisis. But it was a lot less severe than yeah. This, this would be extraordinarily severe. And extraordinary, but it's an extraordinary case, which is why we decided to make it an episode. You're welcome. Or an addition, as Carrie says. <laughs> Funny. Mm-hmm. Although, if, if the Roy Make piece I found uh-huh. online is the same one, he died in 2013. Well, good riddance. <laughs> if it's the same one. And, if it's him. And had children, so I don't know. Oh, did he? Uh, that sounds weird. So, maybe, well, maybe he would have been 55 when he, they when, got, yeah. and it's possible, but he would have been 55 when they got So maybe that's not him. I'll have not. to do a little bit more research. Okay, Kara, thanks for that. And I'll have to complete your research that you didn't do. Thanks. Ooh. Thanks, Kara. Thanks. Ooh. Okay, that's <laughs> it. Thank you all one, for Dean. listening. That's pretty interesting. It is. That was fun. Uh, rest in peace, Cindy. You're you're an innocent victim. Right yeah. On. I think so, too. Okay. Until next time. See you guys later. Bye. Boom, boom. <laughs>